You're listening to episode 39 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners Coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything else I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow patient money owners? Thank you for waiting for this one. I know it's been over a month, so I appreciate that you're still listening. And if you tuned out, then I kind of get it. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, The intention was always to put these out every two weeks, and I I actually just finished up... um, basically the, well, close to the final draft of my manuscript for my book, which should be out early August. So I am, (laughs) I don't know how to even describe what I'm feeling right now. I think it's a a combination of relief and also excitement that um, I will have a, um, a book to release into the world with pretty much everything I know about personal finance. I mean, there were some things that were left out for um, clarity's sake and also just for the narrative's sake. But for the most part, I tried to be as complete as possible and tried to make a book that people can really use to evaluate their own personal financial situation within the confines of general personal finance principles. That was my entire goal was that you can actually use this book and do it yourself (laughs) Um, and evaluate your behaviors along the way and how you're motivating yourself and how you're getting yourself to a place where you can actually do all of the things that you want to do in your life. Because that's the whole point of personal finance, right? That we, you know, we score away a bunch of money and then we can do really good things with it. Um, Or not, I guess, you know, some people, they they just want to spend everything. Um, But, you know, the, I think the number one thing that, that I've found through uh, working with clients and through writing this book is that savings enables a lot of flexibility in what you can and can't do. Um, And it often really kind of dictates what you're able to do. If you don't have savings, then the options that are available to you in the future are limited. Whereas if you do have savings, kind of the world is your oyster and you can make do with really anything because you have savings behind you. Um, and that includes, you know, leaving a job or paying for something that's really important to you down the road. That's really expensive, like a home or a boat or a 90 day trip around the world or whatever that is that's important to you. I don't know. I don't know you. Um, but my hope is that through listening to this podcast, through maybe, um, reading my book that you will be able to do those things. And, um, I've been, all, I think June is one of those months where, um, my family is generally pretty happy. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of birthdays in June. Um, my birthday's in June, my dad's birthday's in June, my husband's birthday's in June, my mother-in-law's birthday is in June, my niece's birthday is in June. There's just a lot of June. So like, and Father's Day is in June and June just is like a celebratory month typically. Um, because, but because of everything that's been going on in the world and, um, coronavirus, I feel like this year was, I don't know. It was like putting a pin in a balloon or something. (laughs) Um, It wasn't as exciting. And also I've been like crunching out my book and stuff. And um, I think also everything going on um, with um, in regards to the police force and race has made it feel a little um, more of a somber month for sure. Um, I'm not going to go into that in this podcast. I think that what I think doesn't really matter. Um, and I'm really more interested in listening to what other people have to say about it at this point. So, 
Um, this podcast, I actually, I wanted to kind of take it back to basics and really focus on something that is super important for everybody, no matter who you are, what color you are, what your, you know, what your hair looks like, what country you live in. This is, <laughs> this is kind of the, the, like the number one basis of personal finance. Um, and that is having an emergency fund. So, um, yeah, I wanted to start there because it's, I actually can't believe that we've gone 39 episodes without really having an episode about an emergency fund. Um, and when you experience a crisis, whether it be, um, COVID-19 that we've been going through, or even like the rioting and other things that have been happening because of what happened to George Floyd. I, I mean, I, I really think that like the emergency fund is kind of the one thing that we can all agree on <laughs> um, and that we can come back to as a source of um, stability, flexibility, and um, really giving us kind of hope for the future and in, in what we can do. Um, so to start with, if you currently have no savings, you will want to build a small emergency fund that accounts for about two months worth of your essential expenses. So what are essential expenses? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> That's your rent or your mortgage and any associated homeowners related expenses. Um, not like, you know, putting in a new kitchen, but just like the regular stuff. Like, you know, you got to clean out your gutters and you got to, you know, make sure that like, you pay your homeowners dues and association dues and that you pay your property taxes, like that kind of thing, you know, um, other things that would be included in essential expenses are things like your groceries, your utility bills. Um, if you have regular healthcare expenses, and I don't mean like going to acupuncture <laughs> or, you know, those chiropractic visits that you can't live without, I mean like true healthcare expenses, right? Like you can't live without your, um, insulin, right? That, that would be considered an essential expense. Um, same thing with insurance, right? You need to make it, maybe you have certain insurance payments that you need to make. Um, I think you should be wise about what those are and, and, you know, how you include them in your plan. And maybe if you do run into hard times, you increase deductibles. That way your insurance premiums go down. You don't use as much of as your emergency fund to pay for insurance. Um, but that would be considered an essential expense. Um, Health, uh, also childcare in some circumstances would be considered an essential expense. I think it would depend on the situation, right? If you became disabled and you couldn't take care of your child and you couldn't work, right? You would still need childcare. So you have to kind of think about that when you're putting together your little emergency fund. If you currently have no savings, I'll reiterate this, you need two months worth of essential expenses. So the idea here is that you will look at what you're doing. And if you already know that you're living paycheck to paycheck, you probably already know that you're doing this, right? Because there isn't really any money in your account. <laughs> That's how you know you're doing it wrong. You don't have an emergency savings fund. You don't have any savings. That means that you're just spending whatever comes in. Um, the idea there is you can do one of two things, right? You can either intensely budget or you can say, okay, I make, you know, I don't know, $50,000 a year. And I know that I need to really be saving about 20% of that. Um, and therefore I should only be spending X amount. You would want to calculate that, what that X amount is after tax. I don't know off the top of my head. I probably should have crunched some numbers before I started talking to you guys, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, good savings rate for, um, $50,000 would be $10,000 a year. So you would basically subtract from $50,000 to $10,000 that you have in taxes. Uh, I'm sorry, the $10,000 you want to have in savings, and then you would subtract off 
another whatever you pay in taxes there, and then the remainder is what you can actually spend. If you are good at keeping within that spending, then you don't have to do anything else. If you find that you can't seem to keep within that 80% of your budget spending, then you need to do a deeper dive. So I think this is kind of like one of the biggest common misconceptions of personal finance. It's like, we care about what you spend your money on. I don't give a crap what you spend your money on. (laughs) I think that like, if you are enjoying your life and you are saving appropriately, then you don't need to budget every single line item. When we start to get up in people's business is when they are not doing that, when they're not saving 20% of their income, when they don't have an emergency fund, when they don't have any of these things. So let's say you're spending $50,000 a year, you pay some taxes, you also are putting away, diligently putting away $10,000 worth of savings. And let's say you do spend $30,000 a year. Great. (laughs) Um, Now you would need to decide of that $30,000 that I spend per year, how much of that is essential versus how much of that is just discretionary stuff that I like to purchase, you know, like I go on vacation or, um, I, you know, go on Amazon and randomly buy crap for my kids, or I like to buy gifts for people, right? If you're laid off or something happens and you need your emergency fund, right? You're not going to be doing those things. You're not going to be going on vacation and sending Aunt Irma a bunch of flowers all the time, right? So you need to decide of that $30,000 a year that you're spending, what of that is essential. So let's say you are looking at it and you realize that uh, about $2,500 a month of that is essential. Then what you would do is you would say, okay, I need to have an emergency fund that has at least two months worth of those essential expenses. And for me, that would be $5,000. Great. Now, if you know that you're supposed to be saving $10,000 a year (laughs) based on your income of this $50,000 that we've been talking about, then you know it'll take you half a year to build up a two-month emergency savings fund. Um, okay. So that's, that's basically where you want to start. Once you have that two months worth of emergency savings, then you can move on to other things. The reason why you want to have this two months is because if something happens to you, you don't need to immediately freak out. (laughs) Two months will buy you enough time where you can potentially get some things together and get some other income on the table. It's not going to be the best income that you've ever had. It's not going to be your dream job potentially, but it will at least get you through right? And and that's kind of the point, right? When coronavirus hit and people started getting laid off and the government didn't put the furlough programs in place quickly enough to actually get unemployment out to individuals, right? People were waiting around for it and potentially didn't have any food on their table because they didn't have an emergency fund. Um, So that like a a two-month fund would get you through that period of time, right? You probably even have one month's worth left over until you got your unemployment check. Um, so these are just things to think about. Two months is really the minimum that you want to have. Ideally though, you'd really have six to nine months worth of necessities saved at some point. And this is because you lose your job, you become disabled, you have any kind of other catastrophic loss of income that would require you to dip into savings, or maybe, you know, you have higher deductible, uh, higher deductibles on your insurance policies and you therefore, um, would be dipping into savings if something catastrophic happened. You want to just have that there for you so that you have optionality and flexibility about what you can do when something comes up. That's the whole point of an emergency fund. It's like, oh, ish, um, something terrible happened and I need money. And it's not like, oh man, this thing happened and now there's nothing I can do about it because I don't have any money and I'm going to go into debt and I and I have to put food on my table. So I guess I'm just going to take on credit card debt, right? Isn't it a much better scenario that you planned for it? Because like, I think the number one thing that people always forget is unexpected things are going to happen to you, right? It might not mean that you become disabled or you lose your job or any of the normal things that financial planners talk about when we talk about emergency savings funds, 
but like, I don't know, your kid's foot might grow in the middle of the summer and like, you need to buy them completely new shoes. That happened to me one year. Like that was really annoying. And we necessarily didn't have to like dip into an emergency savings fund for that because it wasn't that expensive. But like things like that happen, right? Unexpected things are always going to happen to you because we are human beings and we do things in life and there are just things around us that we can't account for right? Like coronavirus, for instance, we can't account for the fact that that happened. Um, even though, I mean, my husband was talking about it in January. Like, I think, <laughs> I think most people didn't really see it coming. And for sure, we didn't see it coming before January, right? Like, then there was only so much planning that maybe if you saw something coming in January that was going to hit you in February that you could have done. Um, so the point of the emergency fund is to protect yourself from the completely unexpected, from uncertainty, from true risk, not like the risk that's measurable. It's the risk that's unmeasurable. That's why we have these funds. And I think the, the more that you're able to see that and the more that you're able to put away for that, the easier you will sleep at night. And so basically, if you're this person who makes $50,000 a year and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you decide to make a bunch of changes in your spending so that you can create that $10,000 worth of savings, it'll take you a half a year to build up a two-month two emergency fund based on what we've discussed in this. Um, and then from there, I think it depends on what, whether or not you continue to build up that emergency fund or if you take advantage of other things. So it depends on your situation. If you have no savings and you have, um, and, you, and you're able to build up that two month reserve and you also have credit card debt, then, and you also work for an employer where you have um, a 401k matching plan, let's say, then you have to make a decision. Okay, is it more beneficial for me to, after I've created this two months reserve, to put towards my 401k plan where I can get that match because that's 100% basically return. If you, let's say, put in 4% and they match 4%, then now you're getting 8% instead of the 4% that you would put away, right? Um, or does it make more sense for me to pay down high interest debt? And I think that that's kind of one of those number crunching scenarios where you have to decide whether or not um, whatever interest you're paying outweighs the money that you could put away and get the match. Um, you could do a little bit of both, right? Maybe you can get a little bit of a match and a little bit of debt that you pay down. Um, but either way, um, definitely crunch some numbers on that. Typically what we recommend is that you take advantage of the match and then you pay down high interest debt. Um, and this is because between the match plus the fact that your contributions are going to be invested, it usually works out better over the long term. That said, if you've got like an unbelievable amount of debt, right? <laughs> then maybe that doesn't make sense for you, right? If, especially if it's at a high interest rate, something like 20% or above, then maybe it does make sense to really overhaul your spending and, um, and be paying down that debt as much as you can. Once you have put away two months worth of expenses and also started taking advantage of your employer retirement plan, and then also paid down all your high interest debt, now you can build the rest of your emergency fund until it accounts for six to nine months worth of your expenses. How do you know if you need six or nine months worth of expenses? <laughs> That's a good question. So that I think actually depends a lot on risk tolerance. Um, I like to keep, I like to keep the minimum around. I like to keep six months around. Um, sometimes I don't even keep six months around. Sometimes I actually keep five months around. Um, I have an inordinately high risk tolerance though, right? Like I have no problem being hundred percent stocks. Um, if I don't have any sh like short-term cash need on the horizon. So um, that's not most people. <laughs> most people don't don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, in which case, you will want to assess your own risk tolerance, and you'll basically want to have the amount in cash that makes you feel comfortable at night. So, for some of my clients, that's actually 15 months worth of expenses, um, and that's because I have a lot of clients that run businesses and they get paid irregularly. 
for other people who are W-2s, they're very content to have five to six months worth of expenses because they know they're getting that paycheck. And if something happened, they would have five to six months worth of reserve and they would be able to go find a new job that they liked over that period of time. So that's kind of the point of the emergency fund is to, it's really to be there for you when nothing else is there for you. Um, and I think my, my hope really is that during this environment, particularly, that you can evaluate what is important to you and what you need to put away to make sure that you feel safe and comfortable. Um, I think that that's the number one thing that I've been seeing with clients through all of this is that priorities have changed. Expenses have changed. It's been actually um, a really interesting reset for a lot of clients because um, for some who are spending just tons of money, all of a sudden, all of the outlets where they were spending are not available to them anymore, right? Like they can't go out to restaurants as often or at all, depending on where they live. Um, they need to be cooking at home more. They're not commuting. They're not traveling. They're not maybe doing bike races or some of the other things that are important to them and that cost a lot of money, right? All of these things, they add up and they seem maybe like minor expenses at the time, right? You're like, oh, whatever, I just spent a hundred bucks. Um, not a big deal. But if you spend a hundred bucks right, <laughs> every single day, it starts to add up over time. So I think that what I've seen from people is that this period of time has been the biggest reset for them and that they've been able to sort of come back to reality, ground themselves be grateful that they have a job, be grateful that they can work remotely, even if it was a difficult transition to, to, from the beginning, you know, um, some of my business owners, they've completely lost all of their income. So, I mean, that's been really difficult and we've been trying to take advantage of all the programs and things that are out there. Um, but still a reset, right? Because when you, when you lose all of your income, you kind of are like, all right, well, first of all, I hope my emergency fund is there for me. Right. <laughs> And second of all, like it brings you back to reality of like, okay, what really are the essential, the essential expenses? Um, what is really necessary for me to live versus what are those things that I thought were really essential, but they're actually not, they're kind of life's luxuries. And that doesn't mean that we can't have life's luxuries, right? When times are, are good. And if you're living within your means, of course you should have life's luxuries. I think the number one thing that I've taken away from financial planning is that it's a trade-off and a balancing act, right? It's, making sure that we enjoy today and that we're present in the moment while also planning for the future. And that we know that there's a trade-off to every single purchase and everything else that we do. Um, and while there are certain things that are, are certainly essential that we have to purchase, there are other things that are definitely wants versus needs that we kind of don't even think about during normal times if income is coming in um, and if everything seems like it's going according to plan. So I invite you to use this time as a reset and to come back to reality and evaluate where you stand right now. I mean, what better time than to do it, especially because I typically like to have clients do this around tax time because you're doing numbers anyways. Um, and tax time was extended until July 15th. So now you have three weeks to kind of get your life together <laughs> where you can evaluate what's where you stand right now and what your hope is for the next half of a year into a year. Um, and you can really do a lot over um, a six month period of time. I think that that's often thought of as not enough time to make any significant changes. But if you're doing a little bit every single day, then you will get there. Um, there's a book that I like a lot that I actually referenced in one of our other episodes, Atomic Habits. And James Clear talks a lot about making 1% incremental changes every single day to get yourself to a better place. Um, and like for someone who's living paycheck to paycheck, like 
that's the only way you're going to get an emergency fund, right? If you're going, if you're living from paycheck to paycheck, you're in a mindset that like whatever money comes in is money that I have to spend and I'm going to spend it. Um, whereas if you are not living paycheck to paycheck, you're kind of in this other, you have a different mindset about it where you are evaluating what's coming in and you're squirreling away a little bit for the future. Um, the idea though is not to get yourself from a place of, okay, today I spend everything I have and tomorrow I'm a super saver, right? Because it's really hard (laughs) to go from point A to point B, like, overnight. Um, the idea there is to incrementally get yourself to a place where you are a saver. You are a person who saves money. You are a person who sets aside 20% of your income, no matter what. Um, unless obviously, you know, you have devastating circumstances, you lose a job, that kind of a thing. Right. Um, nobody expects you to, (laughs) to put away income if you don't have income. Um, but I noticed this in general with my clients that, um, kind of money makes you more of whoever you are. And, the ones who are spenders continue to be spenders no matter what information we give them. So um, often what people think is that, oh, if I just had enough financial education, then I could get to X, Y, and Z place with my money. And what I have found is that it's not just the education. There's, yes, for sure, the knowledge portion is important, right? Because if you don't know what you're supposed to do, then how the heck are you supposed to do it? But it's not just the knowledge portion. It's also other aspects of of like behavioral change. It's being comfortable with really kind of negative feelings throughout the knowledge process, because like, these are things that are just kind of facts that you're supposed to know, but you don't really know them and you don't know necessarily how to incorporate them into your life and how you're going to make behavioral changes to make all that happen. And then also generating the energy that you need to actually make those changes. You, it's not just about knowing because if it were just about knowing, then everybody would be able to do anything at any given period of time, because all you have to do is Google it, right? Except that right after you Google it, do you actually do anything? No, you only do something if you have the energy to go and do that thing. So if you are going to create an emergency fund to bring this back (laughs) back to today's topic, if you are going to create an emergency fund, the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you were able to generate the energy that you need to do the steps that I listed in this podcast, right? Because if you don't really a agree, maybe that you need an emergency fund, then it's going to be really hard, like super hard to muster up some energy to do it. Or B, maybe you're like, all right, well, I've read that a lot of times. And I've heard this from, you know, Morgan on her podcast that I'm supposed to be doing that. Um, but eh, it's too hard, <laughs> right? Like, I think we say that a lot. Eh, it's too hard. Eh, maybe tomorrow. Eh, I have other stuff I need to pay for right now. Like I'll get to it eventually. I'll get to it eventually is I'll get to it never basically because when is eventually there's no timeline there. There's no start date. It's like when, um, when people go on a diet and they like eat a bunch of stuff that they weren't supposed to eat. And then they're like, meh, whatever. I'll just start tomorrow. Right. But then that gives them like free reign to kind of do whatever they're going to do for the rest of the day. (laughs) And then, you know, then you like, end up completely overeating. Then the next day you wake up and you feel like crap. So you're like, why bother? I already messed this up. I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing. It's the same thing with your money. So if you are in a place where you think, meh, tomorrow, eh, another day, eh, I'll deal with it a l- later. Evaluate why that is. Check in with yourself. Why are, why don't you want to do it? What is the thing that's holding you back from starting an emergency fund? What is the thing that's holding you back from really accomplishing any of your financial goals? Start there. Why, what is it, what about that is making you feel uncomfortable? Sometimes like when people think that they have to create savings, it's a, um, it, it will be at the 
cost of deprivation. Basically, they won't be able to enjoy all the things that they have right now. Um, but And maybe that's true, but maybe not. Um, and you don't really know it unless you try. You don't really know unless you evaluate where you are right now and what changes you would actually have to make to get there. Um, and you also don't know whether or not some of the things that you're spending money on right now aren't really things that you would miss. Maybe actually you would feel really a lot better about having savings in your account. Um, so when I talk to clients about these things, it's always results, results first. Results first is always the conversation that we have to have, right? What is the result that you want to have? How good would it feel to have two months worth of emergency savings? And then generate that feeling. What would it feel like to have that? Would you feel excited? Would you feel proud maybe that you were able to do that for the first time in your life? Would you feel really confident that if something happened that you would be able to take care of it? Right? There's probably a huge list of emotions if you think about those results. And you can use those to generate that energy that you need to actually get where you need to go and create the fun that you want to have. Um, and I think really now more than ever, it, we need these emergency funds. Um, I don't want to minimize anything that's going on in the world or any of the pain that anybody is feeling. I really don't. I, I'm listening. I hear you. I'm there for anyone who wants to reach out to me and talk about it. Um, because I, I do think that 2020 is really one of the hardest years that people have seen in a long time. Um, and I know a lot of people are hurting and a lot of people are angry. And actually, it's really difficult for people on all sides to have conversations about what's going on. And I think it's really compounded by the fact that we are isolated because of this virus. Um, and it's making it way worse than maybe it otherwise would have been. Because we, we can't see each other. We can't connect. We can't see each other's facial expressions and empathize with each other. And we're behind screens and we can't have this ability that we're supposed to have as human beings to relate to one of each other. Um, and so from a personal finance perspective, because I like to always bring it back to there, I think that like the building blocks are what will make you feel at least financially secure, if nothing else right now, right? Something like an emergency fund is it will be there for you when everything else is really difficult. At least you won't have to worry about money, right? At least you won't have to worry about that one little piece if you're worried about so many other things that are going on in the world. All right. So that's this week's episode of Money Owners. Um, now that I'm not actually working overtime on my book, I actually should be able to get these out every other week. Um, and um, next week is actually going to be a Q&A session. So if um, you have a question that you want answered by moi, please send it in. You can find me at Twitter, um, at Morgan with an E Rochard or at money underscore owners. You can also reach me on my website, moneyowners.com forward slash ask Morgan. If you like the show, tell a friend, tell your parents, tell your siblings, I don't know, tell your dog, <laughs> write a nice review for me. I read them all and I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart when I love seeing the things that everybody has to say. So, um, and I, and I do appreciate any feedback as well. So please send that in. Um, and I hope to talk to y'all soon. 